and welcome to another episode of Fun Kids Meet. My name is Sean and I hang out with other Fun Kids presenters and they tell me about some amazing people that they've met and we all enjoy the conversation that they have. Joining us this week is my good friend Dan. How are we doing, Dan? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me, letting me meet more cool people. I love meeting people, love meeting people with amazing stories. And this week, I mean, possibly the, the smartest, the bravest, the person who's been on the most adventures ever. It was, it was yeah, really great guest this week. Who is that? Is it Super Mario? Super Mario, no, couldn't make it. Super Mario couldn't make it. Uh, so Tim Peake is coming. <laughs> well, well, the, 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 logical, uh, the logical next step, once all the Mario characters are busy, are to go to our old pal, Tim Peake. Now, Dan is a science aficionado. He knows all things science. He's got an excellent science podcast as well, the Fun Kids Science Weekly. Tell us a little bit about Tim and why he is so amazing. Well, Tim, he's a a national celebrity, really. He was the first British astronaut from the European Space Agency to visit the International Space Station. So he was up there for, I think, the best part of six months, maybe even more. Uh, orbiting the world because that's what it does it's in orbit and it flies round and round and round and they do experiments there they take pictures they do research he spent a lot of time living in space and he did that because he was uh, in the army when he was younger then he became a pilot and then he he became a a proper real life astronaut so what were you chatting to Tim about this time because I know you and Tim go way back (laughs) buds in the science world what was really amazing is is the last few times I've chatted to Tim, it's been in person. Usually you get taken to a very fancy office. It's quite uh, clinical and smart. You get a jug of water, but it was on Zoom this time, so I got to see into his house. Oh, into, nice. into, Yeah, into an astronaut's office, which, which was a lot, of thing, a lot of fun. Kind of what you expect. Like, actually, maybe not what you expect. Like nothing from a, a, a sci-fi movie when you think of how astronauts live. It just like you look like your dad's office, really. A few <laughs> books, a few books are on the shelves. A couple of like family pictures hung up. Uh, we were speaking about. He's got a brand new book out. It's it's a fiction book, which you might not expect from Tim. Uh, he's written it with a guy called Steve Cole. It's called Swarm Rising. Whoa! And it's all, that immediately yes. sounds exciting. You'd pick that up, wouldn't you, in the library? Uh, 100%. It's it's all about someone called Danny who is kidnapped by. Uh, kind of a girl called Addy, but Addy is actually, it stands for Alien Digital Intelligence. Uh. And she takes the form of this girl who can bend, like, bend the laws of physics. She controls digital data. And she's part of a hive mind called the Swarm, Swarm Rising, and they, they try to save the world. I mean, this sounds incredible. So as we go into the Fun Kids Meets Bingo part of the uh, podcast which is where I try to guess what you and Tim have been chatting about um, so I I mean I really want to know what a hive mind is I want I want Tim's thoughts on a hive mind I'm hoping we're gonna we're gonna hear a little bit about that but I'm gonna officially guess um, I want to know if Tim's gonna give us some tips on how to be an astronaut I mean I'm all for hive minds but really space travel is the priority for me at the moment <laughs> yeah yeah, that's fine. That, a good suggestion, I'd say. I'd also, with my ambition of being in space at some point, I think just maybe some home truths of the logistics of space, because he's a man who knows about space. Um, I think that uh, a little bit of logistics of how things work in space would also be useful to know. And finally, my, my final guess of what I think you'd chat to Tim about 
is everybody and their dog seems to be going up into space at the moment. Well, I say that, most notably the rich people and their dogs <laughs> are popping into space. I'd like to know, as someone who's earned their right to be in space, what he thinks of all this. You, you said earlier that you want to go to space. And a few years ago, I'd have to let you down very gently and say, Sean, listen, you've not been in the military. Not that I know of you've ever piloted a plane. Mm. Usually that's the route that you take. Uh, you, you work on the radio and do video stuff here in the UK. You're not over in, in America, in NASA or in the European Space Agency on the continent either. So it probably wasn't going to happen. But if you manage to find, I don't know, a couple of billion quid, then you, you might you might be able to get up there. It's interesting, isn't it? So I'd, I'm very fascinated to see if Tim will shed any light on this as we hear as Dan meets Tim Peake. Now we've got a proper space superhero on the show. Uh, he's actually been up there. Astronaut Tim P, come on. I mean, he spent six months on board the International Space Station, travelled around the world, what, 3,000 times, clocking up millions of miles as he did it. And he's taken everything that he learned all about the universe and he's stuck it in a book. It's called Swarm Rising. It's all about Danny and Jamila and the aliens who are out to get them. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for, for being there. How are you? Hello, Dan. Great, thanks. Great to be on Fun Kids. I don't want to start this on a downer, Tim, but I'm just wondering, what do you miss most about being in space? I mean, we've been trapped inside for about a year, so <laughs> there might be some similarities there. But what do you miss most? Uh, I think the, the two main things that um, I miss, I think most astronauts miss, is the view of Earth, because there's nowhere else like it, uh, that you can get this incredible view of our planet, and and also the feeling of weightlessness, which is really, really cool. It's very unique. It's lots of fun. It just makes everything you do slightly different. So I think those two things are brilliant, and, and I miss them a lot. Talking about the view, Tim, I've heard some astronauts say that it, it makes you think about your life a lot differently and about your place in the world. What did you find when you were up there looking down on this tiny marble of a planet that you were hovering miles above? It does. You can't help about thinking about things differently. I mean, every day on Earth, we go about our daily lives and we see nature around us, greenery, you know, uh, urban areas. We look up, we see a blue sky or a cloudy sky. We don't actually appreciate that we are on a rocky planet orbiting around a sun. You know, that's not the first thing you think of when you step outside your door. Uh, But from space, it is all you see. It's like, oh my goodness, mate, that's just a black abyss of the universe. And there's that rocky planet. Um, and, you know, you just see this completely different perspective. Uh, and so that's the most amazing thing is it just gives you that fresh appreciation of where we are in the solar system. One of the things I know I love, and I know a lot of listeners love, is having a bit of free time in the day. I'm wondering about you being up on the International Space Station. How much time did you just have to just chill and do what you want or were you pretty busy right the way through constant experiments constant spacewalks how busy were you tim it is it is busy we're there to work hard um, you have to kind of snatch those moments when you can so if you've been scheduled you know 20 minutes to do something you manage to do it in 15 minutes you just bought yourself a quick five minutes to go to the cupola you know take some photographs have a look of earth uh, but there's constantly things to do at the weekends we get a bit more time to ourselves we do some education programs we clean the space station we can call friends and family but monday through friday it's pretty much flat out 
You know when you go on holiday, Tim, and it takes you a while to kind of get used to a new place that you're sleeping, a new a new bed, the first few times that you wake up, you're like, what's going on? What's around me? Um, how long did it take you to get used to the fact that you were sleeping inside a chunk of metal that was hovering through space? I think, you know, you never really get used to it. Um, but I, I, I started getting good night's sleep after about two weeks. It takes your body about two weeks to be able to fall asleep in weightlessness because it's really unusual when you don't put your head on a pillow or lie down it's a really weird uh, way to sleep and so your body doesn't like it but once you get used to it you have a great night's sleep and you wake up after just six hours that's plenty of rest it's such good quality but you never really get used to the fact that you're floating in a space station how do you get comfy if you're not lying down if you've got nothing to put your head on what you just float you just don't like, need just... it you just float <laughs> I mean, in fact, I kind of put my hands, my arms inside the sleeping bag and zip them up so that they were kind of across my chest. Because if you don't secure your arms in some way, they'll just float around and maybe knock you in the head and wake yourself up in the middle of the night. So it, it feels more secure just by strapping yourself into a sleeping bag. Now, the last time we spoke and you came on the show, you told me that there were plans to make the moon a service station en route to Mars. And... I don't think I've, there's no one I've met that I haven't mentioned that to. Uh, how are we getting on with that, with that quest, Tim? We're doing a pretty good job. In fact, this year, later this year, we hope to launch SLS, which is the huge rocket. This is larger than the Saturn V that took the Apollo cruise to the moon. So it's going to have its maiden voyage this year. Um, and then the next mission, the second mission, will be carrying crew, four crew members uh, around the moon uh, and then bring them back. And then the third mission, which is scheduled for 2024, maybe 2025, uh, is going to have the surface landing. So two astronauts going down to the surface once again which is going to be fantastic because i was born in 72 the last or the year that the last humans walked on the moon so i've never seen humans walk on the moon and i would like to do that so i can't wait so if we get to go back to the moon uh, is your hand first up you're the one that wants to be there is that doable Uh, my hand is certainly firmly up up there i know there's fierce competition from my other european classmates but my hand is firmly up there we'll see what happens uh, now, you've got a new book out. Uh, it's a fiction book. It's called Swarm Rising. Uh, as I say, it's all about two people who kind of head into space. There's stuff about aliens kidnapping them in there. Uh, what was it about your trip in space and everything that you know about the universe that inspired you to write a story? Yeah, well, it was a number of things. And it's been many years in the making, really, having two young boys of my own and reading them stories and working out what they like to listen to and what they like to hear. And and as you mentioned, that perspective of, of space and uh, you know, there's been a lot of stories about aliens. There's been a lot of movies about aliens. But when you really think seriously about where are they and how might they get here, one thing I realized when I was out in space is just the vastness of the universe. There is likely to be civilized, intelligent life all over the universe. Will it ever get here, though, if we can't travel faster than the speed of light? And then I thought, well, what if it can travel at the speed of light? Why can't intelligence be a radio signal traveling to us as digital information? 
simulation. And you know, these days we play simulation games, computers, artificial intelligence is becoming all around us. Uh, it's possibly where humanity is going. So I thought, yeah, let's have some aliens arrive on planet Earth, but they arrive in a radio signal as digital intelligence, and then the story kind of erupts from there. So I've had a lot of fun writing it with Steve Cole, who is a brilliant children's author. He's worked on Doctor Who, and he's got some great ideas of his own as well. So we've had great fun. Amazing. That is called uh, Swarm Rising. Now, uh, Tim, I've got some questions from listeners, if that's okay. Stuff that they'd like to ask an astronaut. Can I fire some at you? Of course. Let's fire away. Uh, This is from Tia, who is nine, uh, who wants to know, how much do you have to actually do to get back down to Earth? When you sit in that module at the end, is it just a case of aiming and going forward? How, How much say do you have over where you land? Well, do you know what? Coming back to Earth, we have a lot more say and we have a lot more to do. It's launching into space that we don't have a huge amount to do. I mean, literally, the rocket goes off. And if everything goes well, we don't touch anything until the engines cut out and we're hopefully safely in space. But coming back down, there's a lot to do. We have to break we have to slow down and that burn that engine burn has to be really spot on accurate so starting the engine stopping the engine making sure that we break uh, enough to come into earth's atmosphere not too much we're coming too steep not too little or else we'll go back out into space again and then the spacecraft has to separate into three parts then the parachutes have to open successfully seats have to jockey their position around there's a lot going on with re-entry it's a, it's a brilliant roller coaster ride but we've got a lot to do you mentioned they're traveling up into space. Uh, when astronauts go back to the moon, fingers crossed when you get to go there yourself, uh, do we aim for a, a point on the moon or do we just kind of uh, hit and hope, really, just hope we make it somewhere? Well, the crazy thing is, of course, it's that everything's so fluid in space is what you do is you first get yourself into Earth orbit and then you do an engine burn on the rocket and you're aiming for a point where the moon is going to be in three and a half days time because it's not there yet. <laughs> Uh, And what you're aiming for is not to hit the moon. You're aiming to be captured by lunar gravity, by the moon's gravity pulling you into a a lunar orbit. And then from there, you can sort yourself out and then adjust to come down to the surface of the moon. So, yeah, there's lots of clever, clever maths that go into predicting where you need to where you need to aim for. Uh, This one is from Louise, who is eight years old. Thank you, Louise. Why do astronauts get weaker when they're up in space? Well, the reason we get weaker is because our body is doing a brilliant, brilliant job of trying to adapt to a new environment. It says, hey, I'm just not working hard. I don't need these bones. I don't need these muscles because of weightlessness. And so our body tries to adapt. And that's why we get weaker. Um, So we have to try and stop that from happening because we're going to come back to a gravity environment. Uh, But if we left our body and did nothing at all, it would turn itself into the perfect human form for weightlessness. It's pretty incredible. And then Neve follows up on that. She's also eight. She says, when you get back down on Earth again, how long does it take you to adjust so you can walk normally, so you can use your muscles again in stronger gravity? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it varies because 
it takes just a couple of days before we feel confident walking again. We've got our balance are okay. You know, we feel all right. Um, but then you go to pick things up and you realize that your core strength is just not quite there because we, it's very hard to exercise your stomach muscles and your lower back muscles. That takes probably about a month to really fully build those back up. And our bones actually take at least six months to recover, if not a year. So it's a gradual process. Uh, Luke, who is nine, says loads of people want to be an astronaut. Not many get the chance. What makes the lucky few stand out? What do they do that other people maybe don't have a chance to? Maybe they don't have the skills to. What are those, Tim? I think the things that the space agencies are really looking for are people who are able to be team players that can communicate well, um, that can work in international teams, that don't mind traveling. All these little things that go to make up a national in terms, as well as all those skills that they've tested, like concentration and spatial awareness and memory retention, etc. But it comes down a lot of it to your personality and character and how you come across in interviews in the final stages, um, because any one of you know a dozen people could do the job but they need to just pick three or four and so it's the small things uh, about your personality and character which is why i think it's so important when you're younger to get out get involved whether it's scouts whether it's cadets guides you know whatever it is that you want to do duke of edinburgh award schemes things that kind of build those interpersonal skills are so important for life uh, last question from a listener this is from marley who's 10 and i love this it's it's all about coming back to earth uh, Marley says, when, when you go scuba diving, if you come up too quickly, you get a little bit ill. You get the bends. Does anything happen like that when you come back from space, if it all happens too quickly? Uh, that's a brilliant, brilliant question. Um, you know what? It doesn't happen when we come back from space because if everything goes well, the, our pressure doesn't change. The pressure on the space station is one atmosphere, same as on Earth. Inside the capsule, it's one atmosphere. So no pressure change. The place where we have to be really careful is coming inside from a spacewalk because when we do a spacewalk, we go to a really low pressure inside our suits so that we can bend our arms or we can work outside in the vacuum of space. And that's very much like diving so when you come back in from that really low pressure environment where nitrogen can start to even you know start to form bubbles in our blood we have to be really really careful when we do spacewalks going into them and coming back out of them uh when you're on the spacewalk tim have you got anything holding you on apart from your hands really gripping the sides You've got a couple of options if you fall off. One is, you know, you should put down a tether uh, before you let go with both hands. That's about three or four foot long. And if you forget to do that, we have a thin steel cable, like a fishing reel that kind of unwinds as we move along. And that goes back to our anchor point. So that's your last ditch attempt to stop yourself floating off into space floating forever uh, lastly and this is just me because there's a lot of talk about billionaires going into space at the moment jeff bezos elon musk sir richard branson uh, as someone that's been there yourself that's part of the european space agency hopefully going back to the moon at some point how do you feel about about these people spending loads of their own money to get up to space 
Well, I think it's, it's brilliant what's happening because, you know, these commercial companies are going to be critical to our, our exploration of the moon to Mars and beyond. Uh, and it's a case of using other people's resources. So SpaceX, for example, are not only are they flying crew to the space station right now and providing cargo, they're going to be providing a, a lander system, a lunar lander system, and their, their large rocket is going to be carrying elements of the exploration program, as might Blue Origin. So these companies you know, participating in this program are going to make deep space exploration possible. So I think what they're doing is is fantastic. And also, it is giving more you know, opportunity for more people to get into space. And at the moment, whilst that's people who've got lots of money, you know, in the early days of flying, it was only people who had lots of money that could afford to fly across the Atlantic. Whereas now, you know, there's many, many people who could afford a ticket to a, for a holiday in Florida, for example. So who knows? In the future, many, many more people might might be able to afford a ticket to space. Amazing. Well, Tim, thanks for joining us. The brand new book is Swarm Rising um, and it's fantastic. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks very much. Great talking to you. Excellent man, Tim Peake, and also some excellent questions that were asked. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things that we do on the on the Science Weekly podcast. Every week I will answer questions. But my brain's only so big. There's only so much I can know or like sniff out like a science Sherlock online. Uh, and sometimes it's very good to get a bona fide 100% genius that has been there, that has seen it. And I mean, Tim, Bakes, Tim Peake has been into space. So if anyone knows astronaut answers, it's him. And it was amazing to ask him yeah, questions that were sent in. So let's go through the fun kids meets bingo. Um, so how to become an astronaut? I mean, me and the Science Weekly lads, we're, we're on the same wavelength, I think, for that one. There was a good question about how to become an astronaut. Yeah, it's also, I've chatted to Tim Peake a few times now, and I think I think he's told me that every time, just because I'm always so fascinated. It's one of those things I never quite remember. Like every time I get a, a, a space physics expert, I ask him about black holes. And it goes in one ear and out the other. It's the same with digital currency at the moment. Someone's told me what Bitcoin is, I would say 50,000 times. And I never remember it. It's exactly the same with how you become an astronaut. So it's not happening for me. But it was lovely that he was able to give that advice. And well, on a a similar note, it does seem to be changing all the time. Because he did give his thoughts on rich people now popping up in space. (laughs) Yeah, he did. And he's all for it, really. I think he's been there. He wants other people to experience this. A lot of people around the world are worried that maybe these rich people who are spending a lot of money getting into space for a few minutes, that there's more worthwhile things to spend their money on down here on Earth. Uh, And maybe instead of saving this planet, they're looking for somewhere to go miles and miles and miles away. Uh, But Tim doesn't seem bothered about that. I, I know a lot of astronauts... And, and scientists feel like this, that it's almost about the hope of exploring the world, that it keeps everyone going, that it keeps you happy. And that's why he's all for, um, yeah, rich people flying to space, being space tourists. And finally, the logistics of being in space are always entertaining to hear about. Yeah, and there's loads of stuff like that. It's always, um, I love hearing how astronauts go to the loo, how they brush their teeth, <laughs> how they eat, and how many times they orbit the Earth. I think it's four times. I can't quite remember the International Space Station. So they see so many uh, sunrises and sunsets. Also, what time it's on. It's on Greenwich Mean Time up there, which is the same as us here in the UK. 
just all those little everyday bits of life that's different for an astronaut up there, how we're the same, it just blows my mind every time. Excellent stuff. Dan, thank you for bringing Tim Peake into our lives today. Thank you so much for, for letting me chat to him. And of course, for more science-based fun, make sure you catch Dan on the Fun Kids Science Weekly podcast. We'll be back with more interesting people on Fun Kids Meet very, very soon. So make sure you smash that follow button so you don't miss a single episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye.